This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and I'm really excited for you and for me to meet today's guest, the beyond talented Chris Thornbrough. Chris is an award-winning composer for film, theater, and the concert stage. His work has been described as heightened and brashly percussive, that was variety, urgent, masterful, now magazine, powerfully virtuosic, Barsack blog and elegiac music that cast a spell. And that was said by the Hollywood Reporter. Recognition for his work includes the Karen Kaiser Prize in Canadian Music, multiple SOCAN Awards for audiovisual composers, two Dora Award nominations, wow, and the Lewis Applebaum Composers Award nomination. Chris composed the music for Sleeping Giant, which was nominated for the Critics Week Grand Prize and Golden Camera Award at the Cannes Film Festival, won the Best Canadian First Feature Award at the Toronto International Film Festival, and has been broadcast internationally in 40 countries. That's Chris composing the music for Sleeping Giant. Wow. It was also nominated for three Canadian Screen Awards, including Best Motion Picture. He composed a unique noise-inspired electronic classical fusion score for the film We Ate the Children Last. Well, based on a story by Jan Martel, Life of Pi, the film premiered at the Clermont Ferrand International Short Film Festival in France and was honored as one of Canada's top 10 short films at the Toronto International Film Festival, TIFF. In addition, Chris collaborated with Brandon Cronenberg on the camera and Christopher Merck, which premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival as well. His first full-length hybrid musical, Hook Up, premiered to critical acclaim in 2019 and was nominated for a Dora Naver Moore Award for Outstanding New Opera. Commissioned and produced by Tapestry Opera, it was lauded as beautiful, gut-wrenching, and absolutely riveting. Mooney Theatre. Firmly established as a leading composer and facilitator in contemporary music theatre for young people, Chris regularly works with school boards and top arts organizations all across Ontario. Through his work with the Canadian Opera Company's After School Opera Program and the Canadian Children's Opera Company, Chris has collaborated directly with thousands of students and co-written over 60 that's pretty prolific, musical theatre works. He has also written and produced impactful educational videos on topics of performance, choral singing, and the creative process for the Griffin Trio's national school program, Listen Up. His instrumental music has been performed, recorded, and commissioned by Ray Ensemble, the Bicycle Opera Project, Ensemble Par Mirabeau, Esprit Orchestra, Junkin Keyboard Collective, Tapestry Opera, the Thin Edge New Music Collective, and the Toy Piano Composers, of which he was the co-founder and artistic director for eight seasons. As an avid fan of tabletop games, Chris also composes original orchestral music for Dungeons & Dragons campaigns while serving as Game Master. Chris Thornborough, what a resume. <laughs> Welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you. It, it's, it took a long time to do all that stuff. I didn't do it all overnight. So 
<laughs> As a composer, Chris, your love has always been with concert music. Where did this come from? And do you remember loving classical music or opera as a young child? I, I think as a kid, I fell in love with music when I figured out I could compose it. So uh, piano lessons were somewhat of a struggle until I was about 12. I had started piano when I was five. and uh, But when I was 12, I had figured out that I could hear music and imitate it on the piano. So at the time, I was listening to music from, of all things, the Olympics. I was listening to the music for the Lillehammer Olympics. I don't even know who the composer was for the music, but it was on the CBC. And I had figured out, oh, I, I can hear that melody and I know what those notes are on the piano. And then I took it one step further. I'm like, maybe I could write my own stuff. So from there, that opened the world to improvisation, being able to learn music on my own terms, uh, which is through, for me, uh, listening rather than like reading music. And it, that opened up a lot of doors. And then really my entry point into classical music was sort of a strange entry point. It was movies. That film score, one film score in particular was Jurassic Park, a movie that I saw when I was 10. That score was just so enthralling for me. And it sort of opened my eyes to classical music. And from there, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to be a composer for movies. That's going to be my thing. Wow. And I bet all of that helped your piano, your motivation for learning the piano, right? Because once you find uh, yes. that thing that you love, suddenly it's not drudgery. It's it's enjoyable. Absolutely. And then from there on, I, I, I wanted as many piano lessons as possible. <laughs> I wanted to learn theory. Immediately, I knew I was going to be a, a composer and started setting my path for that and just doing everything I could to, to make that happen. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. It seems like you dance also throughout many genres. You're a composer, as you say, yes. you compose music for film, for musical theater, for opera, media, and games. Can you tell us more about, I mean, you, you just talked about how you became a composer, but what specifically drew you towards musical theater and opera composing? That is a great question. I think I've been thinking about this because I was kind of prepping a little bit for this interview. I'm like, okay, so where, where, like, I have all these threads and how do I consolidate this narrative about how I ended up where I am today. And I think it comes down to like the communities that I've crossed. So entering into university many, many years ago, it was like film composing is going to be my thing. But something happened there where, you know, I started meeting really interesting people with like all these diverse backgrounds who were doing their own thing. And those people became my friends and community became sort of the driving force of my career. So I enjoy meeting people and I applied to all these workshops for, for example, the tapestry, what's called the tapestry lib lab, where you write four or five minute operas in eight days with four different writers. Wow. And I had no idea that I had it in me that I could write an opera, but that's, that's essentially where it stemmed from this workshop years ago, meeting four amazing writers, connecting really well with one Julie Tepperman. And then my opera hookup kind of spawned from there. And we felt we had this story, this very urgent story to tell. And, you know, five years later, we had composed a full 90-minute opera. So for me, it's being a composer is much broader uh, career than what I had first envisioned as being just a film composer. That I, as a composer, I can use my abilities and my skills and my experience to kind of serve all sorts of different mediums and to meet all sorts of amazing people and connect with all sorts of different audiences. What was the process like of working those four people together in that urgent sense? Like, was this eight hours yeah. a day? What did that look like? 24 hours a day. A lot of coffee. 
a lot of coffees involved. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a boilerplate sort of speed dating for creative folks. <laughs> so you have four composers in a room, you have four librettists in a room, which is a, a writer who writes opera mm. and you rotate through the four, you know, you pair up four different times and you get, you basically, here's, here's a rundown of like two days. So 9am you have your coffee, your bagel. Uh, this is down at the distillery district in Toronto. So, you know, you, there's that lots of food and coffee options and you, you meet up with your writer and you have an hour to kind of chat about your interests or just about your day. And essentially what you're searching for is like, what's your story going to be about? Once that's done, the writer goes away and writes up a, a two-pager, which is essentially a very short opera that if it's two pages, it's going to work out to be between five and 10 minutes. They come back, you talk about it, and then I would go away and I'd have about 36 hours to compose, which is just enough time. So I'd sleep about four, four hours a night for those eight days and ended up writing, you know, four, four little operas. But what's interesting about one particular relationship was meeting Julie Tepperman. We both felt a couple of things. The opera doesn't speak to young people that we were just trying to be honest about that, that there are young people who enjoy opera. Of course, you know, there's always new opera singers, but on the whole, like if you were, if you were to ask someone in high school or university, if they've ever been to, or if they enjoy opera, chances are the answer is no. And we also felt that there was not enough stories being told in musical theater and opera that centered the experience of a young woman. Mm -hmm. um, you know, very often in opera, a woman is the victim of some man making a terrible mistake. And we just <laughs> felt that's a tired, a tired sort of story. So her and I worked very organically in sort of, and kind of were of the same mindset that this is a problem to solve. And this is something that we can sink our teeth into. And that's what we did. It just took five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so fascinating. What is different um, intrinsically about composing music for film versus the theater? What would you say is the biggest difference? Interesting. I, I think in theater, particularly in musical theater, where music is the centerpiece, you, you really are a driving force of the narrative. You're really driving that story forward. Right. In film, you are, I think in both mediums, you're a storyteller, but in film, you're really serving a story that that is coming from a writer and from a director and from those actors. And so I would say it's like subtlety and being understated is the aesthetic of film. You really less is more. And in, in theater, it feels like <laughs> let it all out. It's more a really <laughs> extroverted, visceral sort of sound. Yeah. Wow. I'm yeah. fascinated by your film Sleeping Giant, which won all these awards at TIFF and Cannes, as mentioned earlier off the top of the show, as well as being nominated for all of these Canadian Screen Awards. What was your inspiration for the music in this film? And can you tell us a little bit about Sleeping Giant? Sure. So again, Sleeping Giant sort of centers the experience of, of three young boys who are quite, who, who, who just don't really have the resources or the boundaries to live safely. So they kind of push each other with dares and things like that to a very sort of tragic end. I don't want to give anything away, but it's, it's, it's not an uplifting story, but it is a story about what can sometimes happen in youth when, when there are no boundaries. My, it, it was filmed in Thunder Bay which the director and writer know very well. He spent his summers there. And so Thunder Bay and specifically the Sleeping Giant, which is Sibley Island, is a sort of fourth character in the story. It's this absolute wilderness. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's this sort of powerful and 
unempathetic force in, in the movie. And so I was, I was very moved by that. So that was to me, the instrumentation of like harp, which has an ethereal sort of sound, particularly low harp, mm-hmm. lots of percussion with lots of space of so really big bass drums and things like that. Uh, I had a string quartet because strings just always are the glue. They can create a lot of emotion. And the most interesting sound I put into it was a mechanical music box where I created the, the melody for it and just processed that multiple times to create this sort of soundscape out of a music box. And to me, that was like a symbol of childhood, but also because it's mechanical, because it's the same melody every time. And once you start playing it, it doesn't stop. There was a inevitability to that sound. And in the movie, there's an inevitability to the sort of the tragedy of its ending. And it, it, it helped kind of push that forward. And I, I love that you asked that question because I think it's important that that goes back to what I was saying earlier, that you're serving a story with your music. So you're not just kind of writing notes on a page and making something sound pretty, but when you're composing for a story, it's another layer that helps tell the audience what's happening, show the audience what's happening and suggest what it might feel like to be in that situation. Of course. And then the yeah. singer takes that a step further. My daughter always says this because you're serving the audience yes. by singing. You're not singing Absolutely. for yourself. You're serving the piece and you're serving the audience, right? So absolutely. you're also an arts educator and you co-compose musicals and chamber music with young people, which is so fabulous. And I love that you're bringing opera to children because you're right. Young people and the younger generations don't get it and don't dig it. And so it's so cool that you're changing that. So can you tell us about that and what you love about being an arts educator? Totally. I love collaborating with young people. So this is, this is, the, the biggest thing for me is I put my composer hat in the closet and I put on my teaching hat and I, I hand the kids the reins. So all of my process in working with young people is how can I give them space to be themselves and to share their stories and their experiences? And then how can I help facilitate them bringing those stories to life? So mm-hmm. I help them come up with ideas, compose the whole bit. Uh, it's very empowering for them. I was going to say you designed a program introducing children to opera and empowering them to write an opera from scratch. And you essentially facilitated a wonderful learning experience that focused on collaboration, community, creativity, and fun, empowering young artists to tell and perform their own stories through opera. And you co-created 15 new operas, 60 performances. So impacting potentially 1,200 future opera makers yeah, I, I did. That is just, was that just an absolute high for you? What was that whole experience like? It, every time it is, I, I think, and that was written a couple of years ago. So it's been, there's more since then. Like I have three, three coming up in the next two months, one in Kingston oh. about dreams, one in uh, Regent Park, which is an exploration of the experience of being an unhoused person in Toronto and the unhoused community. And one, which is a retelling of the story, Extra Yarn, which is a story about creativity and resilience. It is a high every time. Like it's, it's just amazing to, it's a privilege to be able to work with uh, any group of kids because I learned so much from them. And, you know, I remind myself, they're the ones inheriting this world that we live in. And, it, mm. and this world is so fast changing. I would like them to be bold with their ideas and be bold about expressing what they what they, what's on their mind. And my medium happens to be music. And so that's how I teach it, you know, but the process is more important. 
process is more important. Of course, I love that you teach kids how to create a melody that reflects their feelings and experiences. And you do this in order to better tell the story of an opera's libretto, the text, as you've mentioned, and you call this word painting. What a wonderfully evocative <laughs> phrase that is. Um, yeah. uh, and I'm just wondering if you can tell us more about that word painting. Wow. Okay. So uh, word painting is a way to, through music, to express like an idea, an image, or an emotion. And it's actually a very old technique. It goes back about 500 years. A very simple example would be like if you had a melody going like, not a great singing line, but it serves a purpose. That could that could be an example of rain or a waterfall or a shooting star going across the sky. And if you, if you, you know, set text to that melody, that melody, without you even realizing it, is evoking an image. Um, and we can get much more subtle than that. Like I play with uh, harmony with students and ask them like, which one sounds, which harmony here sounds uplifting and which one sounds sad? How can we change this harmony to make it sound hungry or afraid or blissful? Um, mm -hmm. And we just learn that music is, it's not quite a language, but it can do similar things as language. It can, it can help make an image or an idea more potent. And mm. I, I love that idea. I think it's really mm. cool. I love that you are so passionate about what you do. Uh, you know, I interview a lot of people. I've been doing this show for four years and I've interviewed hundreds, maybe 450 people to date on this mm -hmm. program. And there's something about the, how you are so infused with passion about what you do yes. that is just wonderful for people oh, to you. see that may have not found that thing and for people who have that thing to have confidence in that thing. And, and I'm going to talk to you about bliss later, but I, I just love that about you. Oh, thank you. Is that what drives you so relentlessly? Because you are very prolific. I used that word before, but it's true. You, you just seem to be creating and composing and doing and not letting pandemics or COVID or anything get in the way. You're just driven. What drives you so relentlessly? Don't answer that just yet. We're going to go on a short commercial break back with more from the very prolific composer, Chris Thornbrough, in just a moment. Be right back. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Hi, we are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zuma Radio AM 740. And Chris, just before the break, I was asking you what drives you so relentlessly. A few things. So a big mantra that I tell my students, particularly the students who are not quite bought in to the idea of telling stories through opera, so sometimes I'll work with students who are just, you know, being silly or like behaving like a bunch of cats where it's impossible to herd them. <laughs> at some point I'll say, stories matter. And like your story matters, like your experience and, and what's happening here today and what you've been through 
actually matters. It, it, it's, it affects other people and you have things to teach. Everyone has something to teach and to learn. And, and it's our responsibility as people to connect and do that. And so that's what drives me. It's, it's the relationships that I build with my collaborators and, and hearing their stories and sharing their stories and finding common ground, finding differences. So that, that's a huge driver. And again, I think just music is, happens to be my medium. If I was a writer, it'd be the same thing. If I was a director, it'd be the same thing. That human connection is so, so important. And I had another thing and I totally forget what it was, but there is, there, yeah. <laughs> oh, building memories, come. building memories. I think building oh, good memories. Lovely. You know, like we, we get this one life here. So you, you, you just, you don't want to look back on it and be like, oh, I just kind of phoned it in a little bit. You know, you really want to, as much as possible, create potent memories, whether that's like cooking a lovely meal for your friends or, you know, writing an opera. You know, all those little things or big things. <laughs> that, that's the perfect segue for my next question. You firmly established yourself, Chris, as a leading voice in contemporary opera for young people. And your first full-length opera, Hookup, premiered in 2019 to critical acclaim, lauded as beautiful, gut-wrenching, absolutely riveting. It explores issues surrounding drinking, rape culture, consent, and oversight on university campuses. Good Lord. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us how Hookup evolved and what was involved in writing this contemporary opera for young people? How long did it take? Was it enjoyable, arduous? What did you love about it? Wow. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, I could write a book about this process. It was a five-year process. And we actually, I will say this right off the bat, we failed at first. We, We spent three hours writing it, almost quit and threw out everything we wrote, about three years of work, an hour of musical material and started from scratch and kind of gave it one more chance. And I'm so glad we did. We brought in another another person. So Julie and I work well together, but we were, we were struggling. So we brought in a dramaturge named Richard Greenblatt, who's a very prolific theater performer. He wrote Two Pianos, Four Hands with Ted Dykstra. And he is a force to be reckoned with, man oh man. Like mm-hmm. he's got his sense of play and his energy is just unbelievable. And he reframed our process. And from there, it was really fun to write. So it became very organic and holistic. It was an interesting experience because of how politically fraught the subject matter is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I relished that. I, I, I loved the debate that it created and the conversations that it started. Mm-hmm. And in particular, and I, I think for folks who have seen it, I hope they agree with me. I also love that the story ended on a note of hope. So it's a devastating story. It's a tough subject, but it ends in hope. And that's really important to me when I'm telling stories through music. Wow. Just incredible stuff. Uh, You have several cool projects coming up, including an opera composed for the Canadian Children's Opera Company on April 1st. Can you tell us briefly about that? Sure. It's based on a book called Extra Yarn. And this is a story about a group of children who find a box of magical yarn. And inside the box of magical yarn is bundles of colorful yarn that never runs out. So they start through their sort of ingenuity and creativity, creating sweaters and hats and, and mittens for the community. And they don't stop there. They start knitting things to cover houses and mailboxes and cars <laughs> until one day an evil sort of group of kind of dukes and, and mayors and things, they want the box for themselves and they sneak into the town one night and steal it. But I don't want to oh, give boy. away the ending. So <laughs> I'll leave it there. But uh, this is a collaboration between uh, two choirs that helped me write the story and music and kind of 
bring it to life and add their flavor to it. Uh, a lot of fun. It sounds so enchanting. And I'm just wondering, where do you draw all your bits and pieces of yarn and fabric, all your story ideas from? Because it just feels like you're just, you've got so many wonderfully imaginative ideas. I think I think that's just how my brain works. Like I'm always thinking, you know, at night, I'm, I'm always thinking about what's the next project. And I watch a lot of movies. I travel a lot. I think it's just filling my life with experiences. Maybe it goes back to like, making connections with people. That's really important to me. And I find that, yeah, I find that I don't run out. I don't run, it's, it's <laughs> my, my bigger issue is how do I fit all these projects into, into my schedule? Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> I really can see that. You also have another opera that you co-compose with students of Cantable Choir, which is playing at the end of April. Can you tell us more about this and how people can see it? So uh, this, this was a particularly special project for me because of this group. And I do want to give a shout out to Cantable Choir. These students are so creative and so energetic. I've been getting emails from the director who's like, these students are so like geared up for this show that they're <laughs> almost taking over directing it from the director. They're so <laughs> invested in this story. Um, so this is happening at a place called the Sp- Sorry, it's happening at the universe, Queen's University. I think it's the Isabel Bader Theater. Oh, beautiful um, theater. Or the Love Black Box theater. in that building. Uh, and so the kids are getting a professional theater crew to help them put this on. It's a show about dreams. Uh, they, they came up with this story. It's 100% theirs. Uh, the music is 100% theirs. When I co-facilitate, usually we meet 50-50. In this particular show... I was just a conduit of their ideas. I was just kind of, you know, it was just rem- one of the most remarkable processes I've ever been through. It was mm-hmm. amazing. So there's four shows happening at the end of April. It's on their website. So if you want to go see the show, it's in Kingston. It's at cantablechoirs.ca. So cantable is C-A-N-T-A-B-I-L-E, choirs.ca. And I believe the program was called Making a Musical. So if you kind of scroll through their website and can find that, that's how you can awesome. get it. But it's a, lot, it's a lot of fun. It's a dark, comedic story about getting stuck in your own dreams. <laughs> that, wow. That sounds fantastic. Chris, you're so prolific. You also co-created a work with the Youth Enrichment Academy, the Canadian Opera Company, and Building Roots. And there was just a performance of this last week on March the 10th. Can you tell us more and paint us a picture of what that evening was like last Friday? Absolutely. So uh, over the last two months or so, we basically created an opera from scratch with the students of the Youth Enrichment Academy. Uh, it's a mini opera. So the, the whole show runs about 15 minutes. There are uh, three short songs that were co-composed by myself and the students. And the story was this wild story that they had created about the unhoused community in Toronto and their efforts to make a movie. The process involved not just writing music and writing stories, but they also had a chance to make puppets that looked basically like the puppets that you see in the Muppets. Um, they, were, they were felted. Uh, <sighs> they had these googly eyes and fun, fun hair and all sorts of stuff. And so the entire opera was actually a puppet opera. So uh, I think it's one thing I love about opera is how inclusive the art form is in terms of what mediums it uses. Uh, You know, it's design, it's writing, it's composing, it is performance. Uh, So yeah, so that was really, really fun. 
the one thing I would like to also say about it is that for many of these students, it was their first time performing ever. And so that was really cool just to, just to, and I didn't know that until the day of the performance that a few students could come up to me and told me like, this is the first time I've ever got to say a line in a show and be a character and sing. And so yeah, it's pretty magical, magical afternoon for sure. Isn't that one? Doesn't that make it all worthwhile doing this kind of stuff? Totally. Uh, With this show in particular, I was, uh, I think the thing I got out of it was just to see how much they came out of their shell. Um, Some of the teachers at this academy kind of talked to us afterwards after the performance saying like, we'd never seen some of these students speak up before like that. And here they are saying full lines in front of the audience, making them laugh. And um, there are a few sort of, yeah, there are a few moments in the show that actually had people like in the audience laughing out loud. They had written this like comic Uh opera that was pretty lighthearted while at the same time dealing with some pretty, you know, pertinent issues that are, that are happening in Toronto. I love also, Chris, how you speak about how music composition has been woven even into your leisure time and how you write music for Dungeons and Dragons, which is a half board game, half storytelling medium that you play with your friends, either online or in person. You say the game allows friends to improvise stories together in the fantasy genre. Can you tell our audience what initially attracted you to this genre? So this was a game I started before the pandemic hit uh, in my living room uh, because I had always wanted to play. I was curious. You always need someone to run the game, the sort of storytelling, the person who sets up all the conflict and all that, and then everyone else plays characters in, in your in your game. Hmm. So that really took off. I had a lot of friends who wanted to play. Uh, at some point, we had up to 12 players, which is too much. So then I split the team into two. And then then the pandemic happened. And so the game took on a different weight. Uh, we moved it online. Uh, there's a lot of resources online to be able to play. Uh, and so we were able to transition pretty seamlessly. And this became, I, I will speak for myself, and I think I've talked to friends who are in the game as well. It became the a, a respite from a very difficult time. Like it became a sort of an escape and a way to build memories and create joy for one another in a time that, that was very difficult to do. And so I started writing this music. And this is my new venture right now is trying to share this music with other players. There's, there's hundreds and thousands of people playing this game over the world, if not millions. And for me, I see an opportunity to share my gifts with, uh, or share my, my, you know, the stuff that I'm making with other people. And so that's sort of my 2023 venture is how can I, how Mm. can I share my music with other, other players around the world? That's very fascinating. Really, really fascinating. I'm just wondering what is your ultimate dream as a composer? If you had to, if I could wave the magic wand and it could be anything, what would it be? Oh man, that's a good question. I don't know if I have, I think I'm so process-based and asking so many questions all the time. I mean, off the top of my head, I would love to score a children's show. If I, if I had the opportunity to score a show, particularly a show that was like starring young people, you know, I'm not, not necessarily like Sesame Street. I'm more thinking like Degrassi High or mm. or uh, one of my favorite movies is How to Train Your Dragon, which is a very mature children's story. Something like that. I would be wow. that would be one thing. But I think I'm just curious about what's next. You know, I think that's that's my big <laughs> that's sort of my big thing. What's what's the you know who am I going to meet next, and what's that going to lead to? <laughs> uh, what kind of uh, new stories and memories <laughs> are going to come up? Uh, how exciting. What what a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful place to be. So we're about to hear, everyone, a wonderful piece of music composed by Chris Thornbro called Walking. Chris, can you set this up for us? Mm-hmm. So Walking is, uh, I wrote this quite a while ago, but I thought I would share it. It's one of the few pieces 
that I've had recorded because so much of my work is live and spontaneous. So it's nice to get stuff recorded. So sure. uh, this is off an album that I produced in 2015. The piece itself is played by six players. So it's a violin, a cello, a piano, flute, clarinet, and percussion. And it is, I'm, I'm very much inspired by visuals and by storytelling. And there's a very interesting story about a man named Ryan Larkin, who is a, who was a, a, an animator, a prolific animator in the, I believe in the 1970s. Again, history is not my forte, but he was a Canadian animator, experimental and brilliant, uh, but also suffered from, uh, suffered from some mental health issues that were prohibitive in his career. Hmm. Um, and so he has two or three animations that are absolutely celebrated. You can go on the National Film Board and watch hmm. the film that this piece is based on. It's called Walking. And I wanted to write a piece that celebrated Ryan Larkin's creativity and the colors and the expressions of his film, which are quite humorous and, and quite expressive. Hmm. And it was as simple as that. I just wanted to share Ryan Larkin's story through my medium, which is music. And I, so I think when you're listening to this, you'll hear the patter of walking. The film that it's based on is all different people walking with like different gates and, you know, larger than life characters just walking. So you'll hear this patter of feet and you'll hear a lot of color. Just listen for, you know, mm-hmm. different instrumentations and combinations of instrument that create. I guess this is, this could be an example of word painting, actually. We were talking about word painting earlier. Just think of people walking, think of colorful streets in Montreal, and hopefully you'll get that out of this piece a little bit. Love that. That's my hometown, by the way. Let's all have a listen to Walking (laughs) by Chris Thornbrough. Due to international copyright law, podcasts are unable to include music. Music can only be played on the live radio broadcast. Finding Your Bliss airs every Saturday at 1 p.m. If you'd like to hear this artist's music, you can find the link to our Finding Your Bliss SoundCloud in the episode description. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So it's a little different. A little different. I love that it's (laughs) instrumental and orchestral, and it kind of reminds me of little fairies and uh, butterflies walking in the woods, right? Totally. That's my jam. Wow. That's so interesting that you say that because I love... I love the dialogue that that art can create. So in my mind, that you you're you're helping me compose that that the story of this piece because how you're hearing it evokes something for you, and we're having this shared experience where your imagination goes to a completely different place. Would would in turn give me ideas for my next piece, or or just allow me to see things in a new way. And I, that's the most beautiful thing about about sharing music and sharing art. It's just it brings minds together and I love Absolutely. that. <laughs> so one of my favorite questions that I get to ask on this show, and I'm especially curious about your answer to this question is, what is bliss for Chris Thornborough? What is bliss for Chris Thornborough? I, I think it's, man, I could say so many things. I'm a pretty happy guy. Hmm. I, the first thing that comes to my mind, my impulse is like shared experiences with, with good friends and with family. You know, things that you can look back on later and like, yes, I did that, you know, with friends. Lovely. Lovely. Well, I just think there's so much more. I feel like I have to have you on again because there's more (laughs) music I want to play for our listeners and there's more little secrets and 
I don't know, little little boxes to open and treasures to to, uh, to unveil. What is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media and find out when all these wonderful shows are happening? Um, so my website has sort of an overview of all my different sort of hats that I wear, composing, teaching, film theater. And there's a way to contact me through my website that, you know, that goes right to my inbox. So that's christhornborough.com. And then in terms of hearing my music, I upload pretty constantly to a website called SoundCloud. Um, so particularly if people are listening who are either players of D&D, uh, Dungeons and Dragons themselves, or know people that play it. And if they want to access my music for that and see what I'm up to, the website for that is, it's a bit of a long one, but it's soundcloud.com slash chris-thornborough. So T-H-O-R-N-B-O-R-R-O-W. Uh, those are the two best places. Yeah. That's fantastic. I want to thank you so much, Chris, for being on the show thank today. You. It's really been delightful having you here. It's been a pleasure being here. This has been a lot of fun. It's been so great. We're going to go on a short commercial break, more with Finding Your Bliss and Julie Black when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're now joined by the incredible Miss Julie Black. Julie Black, as you all know, is a true Canadian icon, named as one of the 25 greatest Canadian singers ever by CBC Music. She's been dubbed Canada's Queen of R&B Soul by fans and industry leaders alike. As a platinum-selling recording artist, her music career has yielded multiple singles, reaching the top 10 pop, R&B, and dance music charts. She has taken home Juno Awards and Gemini Awards, earning innumerable industry accolades. She was hand-selected to sing for the Queen of England and inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame Wow, congratulations in 2021. With her powerhouse vocals, hilarious personality and love of people, Julie Black truly is everyone and unlike anyone. Her passion for philanthropy has taken her from the shanty towns of Bangladesh to the villages of South Africa and all across this country of ours, Canada. As a woman of faith, she champions important causes and uses her career as a platform to celebrate and inspire the greatness that really lies within all of us. As a songwriter, Julie has touched the hearts of fans with her extensive music catalog, her compositions for industry heavyweights. There's so many of them. Destiny's Child, Nass. She's done collabs with songwriter Ian Thornley. And she shared the stage with everyone. I'll name a few of them. Kanye West, Bon Jovi, The Black Eyed Keys, Celine Dion, Elton John, 
Alicia Keys, Etta James, Juno Breakthrough artist Jesse Reyes, Canadian trap artist Paris Richards. It just goes on and on and on. She's a major presence in the Canadian media and entertainment industry. As former host and correspondent for CTV's eTalk, Julie was actually chosen to interview global megastars such as JC, Oprah Winfrey, and former President Clinton. Her incredible TED Talk, which I've watched many times, which both of her parents attended together, was incredible, uh, went viral. And in 2022, Julie was a contestant on The Amazing Race Canada. She's the popular segment host of Monday Motivation on Global TV's number one rated nationwide morning program, The Morning Show. Her successful 2018 foray into creating and hosting The Blackout with Julie Black, the critically acclaimed, provocative and empowering weekly radio show on iHeartRadio News Talks 1010, along with guest starring roles on numerous TV series, have all together firmly established Julie Black as the preeminent personality in the entertainment arena, unlike anyone has in Canadian history. Maintaining fitness and wellness goals remains a priority in Julie's life. You just have to check her out on Instagram. It's always inspiring. And she created this incredible, launching this incredible 100 Strong and Sexy, Canada's largest female-founded, curated, and led fitness challenge to date. 100 SAS was birthed to honor Julie Black's late mom. It is the largest Black-founded and led holistic wellness and lifestyle membership-based program with 600-plus members of all races who have reclaimed their position of optimal mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. And she has had leading roles even in the theater. There's nothing that Julie Black can't accomplish uh, from to kink in my hair. But what really she did recently, which was taking the theater role by storm in February 2020, was in her critically acclaimed starring role as Caroline in the Obsidian Theater and Musical Stage Company's co-production of Caroline or Change. And she won two very impressive awards for that performance, the coveted Toronto Theater Critics Award for Best Lead Performance in a Musical and the Toronto Alliance for the Performing Arts, TAPA, for Excellence in Professional Theatre, Dance, and Opera in Toronto in the Outstanding Performance in a Leading Role Musical Theatre category for her role in Carolina Change. And on top of all this, Julie oh has goodness. just released three <laughs> singles throughout 2022, her long-awaited, critically acclaimed full album, Three Rocks and a Slingshot. We're going to hear a song from that today. And she also has a few top-secret projects to be announced very soon. Maybe we'll hear a little glimpse of one of them here. Julie truly is doing it all. Julie Black, Welcome back to Finding Your Bliss. Oh my goodness, Judy! What a <laughs> listening to my life is—it's it's interesting. I have I had to take the opportunity to like, okay, Julie, breathe. Don't feel like it's too long. Don't feel like it's too much. <laughs> silence, silence the negotiator and that whole inner saboteur. So thank you. And and I've left out, by the way, guys, about three or four pages of the bio. There's more. Oh, like it's, yeah. it, it's pretty impressive. And most of all, the thing that I didn't mention, I'm going to ask you about. I have to congratulate you on so many things. I actually don't know where to start, but let's start with the NBA game where you changed mm. the lyric to O Canada to our home on native land, making it better than it's ever been and what it always should have been. Let's just mm. play a quick clip from that famous game where really... You changed Canadian history. Let's roll that clip. Wow. Welcome Toronto, Ontario native and Canada's queen of R&B, Julie Black. Oh, Canada, our home 
Oh my God, Julie, that was so spectacular. I mean, I've listened to it a million times and I, and so have many, many people. The reaction to it has actually been life-changing and overwhelming. And I'm just wondering, what did it feel like, first of all, when you were just standing there? Did you realize the impact this was going to have on this nation and really on the world? I had no idea that it would make such a huge headline and impact. I did it for the right reasons, to honor Indigenous peoples that I know and that I don't know. And um, it's changed my life forever, like <laughs> literally changed my life forever. And has had me have very special conversations and it's had, I have a newfound fan base, for lack of a better term, that are like in kindergarten right up to, you know, 90 years old. Like it's really created a big bridge where people in schools, administrators, teachers. So it's just amazing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I like, there's been days where I know you've had 25 radio and television interviews and this yeah. is not just the first couple of days. This is ongoing all the time. Yeah, all three the weeks, time. three weeks straight. We did press for three weeks straight. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Congratulations. So well Thank you. deserved and such a wonderful thing. You're just such a one, you're a great talent, but you're also a wonderful person. And I always know that every time I think about you or hear you sing Thank or hear you. you do anything, I also want to congratulate you on your collab with Lululemon. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that all came about? That's really exciting. Super exciting. So an amazing woman named Monique Bernard, I've known her for many years. It's funny. I look at it as value versus currency. When she worked at another company, you won't name that company's name. She wanted to do stuff with me and Hunter Strong and Sexy way back when, over five years ago, and they just didn't believe in her vision. And so she stuck it out. We continued to build our relationship and we both actually share that we lost our moms. And so we have that in common and we like we want to really continue to do meaningful work in the health and wellness space. She's also a black woman. And um, we wanted to just continue to have more women of color see people that look like them in the space yeah. and be able to build bridges between each community. And so when she was scouted by Lululemon and hired, and she called me up, she's like, sis, <laughs> this is our time. Like, let's do this. And them along with the Four Seasons Toronto partnered with 100 Strong and Sexy and the Power of Step. We're doing an amazing event on uh, March 26th. It, it's, we actually have a wait list, which is the most beautiful thing because a lot of people think that the Julie Black fans are the ones that's going to jump on these events. Like, okay, it'll just sell out, you know, 300 people, 200 people. But there are more people who have fear around looking at their health and wellness. Some people are intimidated by fitness. And so I'm just so grateful that all genders, all walks of life, because this is for Women's History Month, but it's also, we need our allies. We want the men there. We want the husbands, we want the sons, the uncles, the grandfathers, the brothers, you know, the friends through it. So, Wow. So this is taking place at the Four Seasons. And for people who can't get tickets, is it going to be televised? Are we going to be able to access it in some way? So we are opening up more tickets. We've divided the day. So we're going to have the panel presentation. I'm also, spoiler alert, I'm performing an acoustic show. Yeah, yeah. I want to come. I want to come. I got to call the Four Seasons. I want to come. Yes. (laughs) And and then we'll have have the sweat component. So it's going to be sweat. Yoga, meditation, you know, you're, you're about that meditation life, breathing, oh. breath work, and um, great food, networking, yeah. and just having a good time. 
Also, I want to tell, because we're on the radio, so our listeners can't see this. Maybe for this clip, they'll see it on, on Instagram. But uh, you've never looked more beautiful. So shout out also to your makeup artist. I know you have an amazing makeup artist. She's always oh, on camera. Oh, Deborah. She's always on, <laughs> yes, Deborah Guthrie. Wow. Deborah Guthrie. Everyone's <laughs> loving my makeup. Oh, it's, so it's stunning. You're yeah. like a movie star. You're such a beauty, always. Finally, oh, last but not least, you. I have to congratulate you on your most recent album, Three Rocks and a Slingshot. Can you tell us a little bit about this album? We're going to play a song any moment from the album. Yes, this is the first album I released without my mom being here on earth. And uh, it's really helped me. You know, it's an ode to David and Goliath. And some may not know that story, but the tale is this little boy had three rocks and a slingshot. There was this big old bully, this big old giant that no one could take down. And with his three rocks, and for me, my three rocks, like having faith, resilience, determination, and my rocks always change. Right. Sometimes it's like, you know, this is, you know, I need to have more self-love. I need to have more compassion. And I released this album on Julie Black Entertainment Incorporated as an independent artist. And we went number one on iTunes, you know, the first week, which is beautiful. I got my plaque. I'm so excited. And um, I really wanted to show that artists, humans in my age group, I turned 45 last year, that you should keep your dreams alive. That you should keep them and you should catch them because there's dream. You know, I'm chasing my dreams. People say that, right? But it's really, are you catching them? And in order for me to catch my dreams, I had to stop and allow it to come my way so I could grab hold of it. Mm, so wonderful. So yeah. I have to say this, this might get me in trouble, but I don't really care. The only thing that was wrong with this year's Junos was that you weren't on it. You should have been on it. Everyone was looking Thank for you. you. Everyone was looking I for know. the star, Canada's queen of R&B. Where are you? So yeah. Junos make sure next year that Julie Black is there. We miss you a lot. We're going to play one of my favorite tracks from the album, Half Empty. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write this song? Oh my goodness. You know, the whole glass half full, glass half empty. I was in this relationship and I realized that I had lost myself. I really did lose myself, but it also was my biggest teacher. And the person that I was with, we're actually really good friends now. We can, we basically kind of workshop the song. Like this is what was going on. You know, so there's a whole notion of like, it's a diary entry and able to move through forgiveness as well after the fact. So, and it's also about, you could stand, you can have someone's back. You know what I mean? You really can. And so uh, it's my most passionate vocal. I've never sang this passionate and this raw and real. I did it in one take in a studio in Virginia, in Richmond, Virginia. I went in, I closed my eyes and just sang it beginning to end. I just love the song. So excited to share it with all of our listeners. Let's have Thank a listen you. to Julie Black's song, Half Empty, from her latest album. Let's have a listen. I keep <sighs> oh my God, Julie, that was so beautiful. Oh my God, what a... That is like a hit song. Oh my Thank God. You. Wow. Half empty, everyone. Julie, you've got a few top secret projects that are going to be announced very soon. Can you give us a tiny little hint about some of the exciting news to come? Um, well, if you're a reader, you'll be happy. Oh. That's all I can say. Wow. I have a feeling I'm going to have to ask you to come back on the show for that one. Yeah. I always ask you this question, so I'm just going to ask you again. What is bliss these days for Julie Black? Bliss these days is being excited about my love life and being inspired to have a purpose partner and being on that journey of sharing my life with somebody special. That's my bliss. That's great. 
Yeah, that's great. I wish that for you. And what is the best way for people to contact you, connect with you on social media? Guys, you have to follow Julie on Instagram. What is the best way to do that? Instagram is at Miss Julie Black, M-I-S-S-J-U-L-L-Y-B-L-A-C-K. My TikTok is super funny. If you just want comedy, you want to take a load off, it's the the real Julie Black, J-U-L-L-Y-B-L-A-C-K, the real Julie Black. Super fun. Hide your kids, though. It's for grown it's for the grown and sexy. Hide your kids. Hide your kids. How can people get in maybe on some last minute tickets to March 26th, this Sunday at the Four Seasons Hotel, Julie Black and 100 Strong and Sexy and Lululemon? How yes. do they do it? I want you all to go to my to the link in my stories on Instagram or you can go to thepowerofstep.com, hit the events and get on the wait list because no matter what, we're already planning the next one. So you want to be early bird. You want to be on that list to get all the information. We're doing something big in the summer, not to mention, uh, oh, I do have something I want to share. I'm one of the headliners for the TD Jazz Fest. We just announced it today. Oh my God. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, uh, thank you. I think my date is June 23rd. Um, I, will, I, will, I will triple check right now just while we're on quickly. My date is June 23rd. June 23rd. Yay! So you can catch I'm me so on the Toronto, Toronto TD Jazz Fest. That's very exciting. Wow. That is fabulous. I'm not surprised. I mean, you're just, you're, you're just going strong as always. Thank and you. honestly, Julie, it's always such an honor to have you on this program. And it was so great to meet you recently. I met you at the theater when you were giving a talk before the show. I know. It was you like remember? So great. I love that meeting you. To person. be able to hug so it out. Yes. Oh, at the Elgin. It. Beautiful. Loved it. What yeah. an honor. And thank, thank you, you for supporting 100 Strong and Sick. You've been one of the humans who have helped us to re- reclaim our breath. And we've done breathing work. We've done stuff with you. And it's just been so great. So you're a true ally and we're grateful. Love you. Thank you so much. Love you too, lady. Good luck for Sunday. You're You're welcome. Thank you. Each week we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please reach out to us. And if you're anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. Write to us at FYB at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And all you have to do is search up Judy Liebrack. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I would like to thank all of our wonderful guests, composer Chris Thornbrough and singer Julie Black for being on the show today. Also, thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, producer Nayira Amani, associate producer Olivia Weatherall, audio engineer Juliana Yenitz-Yellow, senior editor Lauren Kaminsky, video editor Sierra Brown-Rodriguez, audio producer Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.